0: Um, I want to ask you a question, and it's, it's kind of cool because Luke sort of uh, mentioned this in his prayer before we opened up, or as we were opening up this morning. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, and if someone could just raise their hand if they know the answer to this question, but what is, um, what, what do you call that pan? Uh, like, it has a handle, it looks like a saucepan, only it has holes in it all over it. So it seems useless, like you pour stuff in, it's just going to pour out, but I know it's for something other than what I used it for, but it's a pan with holes in it. Anybody know what that's called? A colander, colander. yeah. All right, cool. So a colander. All right, so now I can ask my question because I know what that is now. Uh, Now, what does a broken Christmas candle an electric stovetop burner in a kitchen by the way uh a glass ashtray like the clear kind you know a cheap colander sounds weird it sounds like i'm saying calendar wrong but colander and some worn kind of old late 70s style low pile carpet with like a trail of dirt going through it, right, over the years. I mean, what do all these things have in common? Well, let me tell you a little story. In this kitchen, uh, this was actually my mom's kitchen, the, the carpet belonged to. I was sitting at the table. The, uh, now, it's one of these kind of inexpensive tables with the formica wood print on top and a little strip of vinyl going around. I don't know if any of you have ever had one of those. Everyone in my family had one. Everybody had one of those. The only thing wood on it were the legs. So anything. Anyway, it's all, you know, that's the table I'm sitting at in the kitchen, right? So you can imagine the, the carpet. And, of course, the, uh, we've got these blinds that are, they're not white. They're that, they're that sort of 70s yellow, kind of yellow-orange, the blinds. And then, uh, the, now the walls... Um, my, my mom and stepdad are smokers so it's got kind of it, you know a little bit of a, of a of a well a tint to it because of the smoke it just gets, sticks to the wall so and then you know over by the door of course is where my mom marks all of our growth throughout the years you know because anybody ever have a mom or grandma that does that you can't grow an inch and let's say put you up against the wall and they mark it they put the year in, and then how tall you are right so we have that over by the I'm sitting there and the doorbell rings, and I go to it, and there's a Boy Scout standing at the door. And I, I was a Boy Scout, so I used to sell all that, that you know, cheap, like, just junk, right, out of catalogs, to try to raise money for summer camp or whatever. So I had, you know, I, I really understood this guy had sympathy, and, and, but he's selling, and it, and it was almost Christmas time. He's selling candles. I love in other junk, real junk junk. I love Christmas time. Now, I'm not, I'm not just talking about, uh, you know, the celebration of, of Jesus Christ and his, the way he came into the world. and yeah, yeah, I celebrate that. But I also like all the cheesy stuff about Christmas as well. I love Christmas lights. I like tinsel. I like uh, Christmas tree cookies with the green icing and the sprinkles. And I love Christmas candles and I love uh, Christmas trees. I love all that stuff. I love that time of year. And, and so this guy, I looked through the catalog, and I'm like, what's the cheapest thing? The cheapest thing was $5 or 6 I don't remember. And it was a candle. It was a Christmas candle. So I bought. Now, listen, that, this was a long time ago, so I didn't make a lot of money. And so $6, uh, that was kind of a lot. That's like what I made per hour at my job, 6 And that was a lot, too. I got a raise from 5 to $6. So... I, I had to like shell out the $6. So I got this candle. Well, I don't know what happened. You know, I say bye to the Boy Scout and I get in there and I'm like, I'm going to put this in my room. Now, I, I, you know, I'm going to celebrate Christmas. This is going to be great. I just love this and it'll be in my room. It'll be my Christmas candle. I had a little miniature Christmas tree in there. And, but something happened. I don't know if I dropped it onto the table. I don't remember exactly what happened, but, but I, I dropped it or, or, or squeezed it too hard. It broke. But it didn't break into like a million little pieces. It broke at the base of the candle. The candle is round. It's about, you know, three, three or three and a half inches uh, across the bottom. It's, it's a round candle. It's got a round base. I'm really upset because this happened like ten minutes after the Boy Scout left. Not that I could, I mean, what's he going to do? Refund my money? You know, here's a broken candle. So I was like, oh, I wasted $6. I've got this candle what can I do? So I started looking around and I started thinking. I see my son doing this all the time, looking around and thinking. And I know he does it when I'm not looking too. But I noticed the ashtray on the table. was always a fixture in the middle of the table. It's one of those glass ashtrays, real thick. You can see through it. And it's round, mostly. I think it has some angles, but it's mostly round. And it's about three and a half inches across. So I stick my candle in the ashtray to make sure it fits, and it does. It's a perfect fit. It just slides right in the ashtray. And I'm thinking, this is going to be great. All I have to do is figure out a way to heat this ashtray up, and the candle will melt to itself, and the candle will be fixed. I will have my candle. Good idea, isn't it? So I get one of those cauldrons, colanders, call it a cauldron. <laughs> I just can't remember the name of this thing. It's a pan with holes. And I think, now see, because I'm thinking, I'm smart, right? And I'm, I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking, well, there's a stove over there. I think a, li- a lighter underneath is going to take too long. So I'm going to try the stove. So, but I'm thinking, no, I don't want to put that glass ashtray on, on the stove. Um, it might get too hot. But I, I, I'm thinking glass will break if it gets too hot so I knew that there's some other important things I didn't know but I knew that and I put that so I thought I need to elevate it off of the stove I need but I want heat to go through so I find the pan with holes I'm like this is perfect I'll turn it upside down I'll put it on the burner the heat will go through the holes it'll heat up the ashtray but not too hot it'll melt the wax my candle will be fixed it'll have a base and I'll be able to use my candle. So I, I, I put all the pieces together. So now you're starting to see what some of these things have in common. Normally they wouldn't have a whole lot in common. I turn on the heat and in fact, probably you've probably never imagined all of these things together in one place. I turn on the heat, it starts, it starts heating up. The pan's heating up. I, I start to see the, the, the wax the wax begins to melt, and I'm thinking, I'm on my way. This is really working. I'm starting to get excited. I turn up the heat a little bit. Let's speed this up, you know. I don't know how I was going to get it off, but I hadn't thought that far ahead. We had some, you know, oven mints. Now, I want to go ahead and and read Matthew, okay? We're going to go ahead and read, get into the text today. Uh, Just like Luke said, we're we're on a series, and we're calling it, uh, today, it's missionary or gospel demonstrator. It's or missionary demonstrator, but but I like to call this sermon a beautiful disaster. So, uh, do we have that up there? Okay, um, Matthew five thirteen through six uh, through sixteen. Okay, uh, actually, I'm only going to read uh, thirteen. So I'm just going to start that. All right, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall it its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I was wanted to see if Luke got my picture of a salt shaker. That's all right. He did he? Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So uh, I just want to ask you some questions. Now, this is a time... Uh, if, if, I'm, I'm going to ask some questions out loud. I'm going to ha- ask that you, you can either call out... If you raise your hand, I'm going to feel like I'm teaching at I'm a art, middle school art teacher. I'm going to feel like I'm teaching. But if you do, I'll call on you. Uh, but, but just call out. I'm going to ask some questions. This is not just for people, uh, you know, members, you know, of Legacy. Or, and it's, not just even, it's not even just for... Uh, you may not even be a Christian here this morning, but I still want you to feel free to, to answer a question, okay? Because you can answer this with your thoughts. What, how do, what are ways that... It says you are the salt of the earth. I mean, we've heard that a lot. That's even, that is so a part of our culture, not just the Christian culture, that people will say of a, of a good person, they're the salt, yeah, he's salt. He's the salt of the earth, right? Um, and, and so that's a common thing to, to hear. But, but here Jesus is saying, you're the salt of the earth. What are ways that, that we're the salt of the earth? He's talking to disciples, believers in him. What, what are ways that we're salt of the earth? Uh, yeah, sure. Who said that? Oh, there you are. Okay. It's, it's a huge room. Okay. Yeah. Wait. Ways uh, or or how are we? Either one. Just what? I think I heard someone someone helping to. You help people. Okay, helping. Helping people, love people. No, this is good. This isn't a time of wrong, you know. No, that's not right. I, this is, I just want you okay, that's good. What, loving people, helping people. So, this is what we think of um, when, when, when we hear Jesus say, You're the salty little. What else? Okay, bring life where there's death. Yeah. Make them really thirsty. You're getting clever. (laughs) It's it's all gonna come together at the end. Um, Okay. Any anybody else? Preserve God's truth. Okay. Preserve God's truth. We talk about salt a lot as a preservative. I grew up eating canned vegetables. They were highly salted. So, but but seriously, preserving God's word as. People who, as pe- people who believe God's word, we want to preserve it in our culture. We want to keep it. Um, we don't want it to decay. We want to keep, it, keep its integrity. We want, you know, we want to guard its integrity. Say it that way. Okay. Anything else? Okay, it gives you traction when the roads get icy. Clever. That's good. No, this is all good. I mean, now, what, what we're really doing... Now, when you read the Bible, and, and we've mentioned this a few times uh, or several times, you really have to, you have to look at the passage and you have to think of its context. And part of that is thinking of the people that are being written to. Because it, it can't mean to us something that it could never have possibly meant to them, right? So now we know that Matthew's readers, they're Jewish people, and uh, now I was reading one commentator, uh, Beck, I think is his name, and he, he, even, he even went so far as to say that salt and light, that's like a traditional known metaphor for Jewish identity, like it's just salt and light. That's normal. Now, we've, it's carried into our culture, uh, and it means all kinds of, of, you know, things, whatever people think, like he's a great guy or 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 whatever but but it actually has is not new so it wasn't new Jesus didn't just pull this little uh, metaphor out of nowhere it meant something to them uh, it meant something to them because it's about more than seasoning so I have my picture of table salt up there but it's, it's really a, about more than that um, in fact I want to go ahead and go to it, it's I want to go and talk about what it actually means or what it, what it symbolized to them for sure uh, and look at uh, Chronicles. I think I've got my Chronicles there. Okay. And I have it in a different place on my on my uh, notes, so I'm going to look at it here. All right. Or I'm going to be really dangerous and stand out there and read it off of the... off of the, Yeah, there we go. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingship over Israel... Forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt. That's not the only scripture that mentions a covenant of salt, though. There's a place in Numbers where a covenant of salt is mentioned. Uh, there's a, there is a place in um, Leviticus where a covenant where the Israelites are told to add salt to their grain offerings and not to leave that out. So it really, salt is a symbol really of God's unbreakable Nature, the unbreakable and unchangeable nature of this covenant is what salt represents. And of course, it has all these other qualities taste. It pre- it's a preservative. And it was definitely used uh, by uh, the Israelites and, and ancient people as preservatives. I'm looking at this bag here because I noticed, uh, I just saw it over here. Um, this is corals. I guess it has picks or something in it. But um, it, I read that. Uh, In ancient Israel, men would carry a pouch of salt. If they were going to make a deal, like enter into some kind of business agreement or even a a more serious covenant, they would trade salt with each other. Like, here's some of my salt in your pouch and I'm going to put some of your salt in my pouch. So when Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, he's not talking to people who don't understand what this means. I mean, they're, they're starting to get it. So... The wax begins to melt. I forgot. I don't know why I forgot. It's right there in front of me. But I hadn't thought about the little grooves in the uh, ashtray that hold the cigarette. That's what makes it an ashtray. Otherwise, it would just be a little bowl. But it has little grooves that are slightly narrower than the cigarette so that... and I, I, I was a smoker, so I, know, I, I studied this. I was like... It, you squeeze a cigarette and there, it fits in there perfectly, you know, so it doesn't lean down and mess up your cigarette. So set it there. But it kind of goes down, you know, a third of the way into the inside of the ashtray. So I hadn't thought about what would happen if the wa- I was thinking the wax would just melt a little bit, kind of soften and meld together. But I remember, I had turned up the heat. So <laughs> what actually happened was that the, the wax begin to liquefy and, um, and drip out of the grooves. Which wouldn't really be that big of a deal except that the, the pan has holes in it because of my brilliant idea of the heat coming up through the holes. So this allows the wax to land on the pan and then drip down through the holes and land on the burner. Which brings me to the part uh, I mentioned that I knew glass would break. This is something I didn't know. Wax burns like a flame. Now, listen, I thought candles, I thought what made the flame was the wick. It's not just the wick. It's, It's the wax that the wick is in. And it's burning and it's on fire. So what happens is that wax immediately ignites into a flame. Well, that seems like no big deal, right? I mean, I notice it happening. And some of you who know me well probably have noticed, I don't have real, I'm not quick on my feet. I don't have fast reactions. I'm not a good, I wouldn't be a good basketball player. I I just, I can't, it takes me too long to think about. I'm sitting there thinking, I'm noticing this dripping flame and I'm thinking, what should I do? Should I turn it down? Should I take it off? But I'm thinking, what will happen? Is sling everywhere? What will happen? Because I'm still thinking I'm, I'm going to be able to get through this. Well, that My mom has left the house, and I'm in the kitchen. I'm there where, me and my brother were there alone. And, and so I'm thinking, I'm going to clean up all this mess before she gets back. That was always the plan. <laughs> but it starts happening faster than I can control it. I start to lose control. Listen, it, this, this reminds me. Uh, it reminds me not just of, of uh, what's actually happening in the physical, but some of you feel that way. I felt that way. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of weird because at that point in my life, I actually felt I f- that that was a picture of my life. My life was really a disaster. Now, I had, I had claimed control of it, and some of you have claimed control of your life, like you said. And I don't mean you actually have control. I'm just saying you've claimed control. And I was talking to a guy a few weeks ago and I remember he was telling me, you know, how he decided he, you know, he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't have faith or whatever. And, and he, had, he had basically said, I grew up in church, blah, 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 tell me the whole story. And then he came to the point where he said, but I just realized one day, I'm in control. I, I make decisions. I decide what happens in my life. And, I, and he said, I came to a point like that. So. That's, that's very common. I had done that, and some of you are in a place, whether in miniature or in colossal form like it was in my life, you're at that place where you're starting to see that you don't have control. The wax is dripping out of the cigarette slots. It's dripping on the stove, and it's catching fire. And, and that's, that's how, that is how you're seeing it, and you're trying to fix it. You're trying to do what I'm doing in this in this. Little story. I'm trying to. I'm trying to fix it myself. I'm going to control nature, science. I'm going to control. So what you're doing is you're going to control what only God can control. Well, it was a cheap colander. I don't know what it was made of, but the more the wax flame, you know, the bigger the flame got from the wax, uh, the hotter the pan got. The pan broke. It went like this. So the ashtray fell. When it hit the burner, it got really hot. It broke. The entire candle is sitting on the burner. The burner's red hot. The flame is up to here now. I've stopped worrying about what the kitchen's going to look like when my mom gets back. I'm thinking the house is going to burn down. Wax is popping off like popcorn. It's landing on the carpet. There's some good news, though, for those of you who I, I, I was talking to, you feel this way. Especially if you, you haven't put your trust in Jesus. You, you, you don't trust Jesus. You're in control. Right? Right? maybe you're not even a christian you're not saved you you just you're in control you think but i have good good news it's sort of that good news bad news thing because the good news looks really good when you realize how bad the bad news is you're actually not in control you you really don't have it you don't have you don't have control of the situation that's actually good news for you now it wouldn't be good news if there wasn't someone who had control but the good thing is God's in control. Now, a lot of times we judge whether or not God's in control by the, whether or not there's a mess. But that's, that's, not what, that, that's, not, that's not the way we should judge it. See, God's in control because he's in control. Think about I want you to think about uh, what happened uh, at the cross for a minute and how the disciples viewed that. That was a mess, wasn't it? I mean, the cross... Is really a beautiful disaster. I mean, in the eyes of the world and and people looking on, that looked like it went wrong. It didn't, nothing happened right. He ends up being crucified. He's being crucified. He's on the cross. He's dying. Disciples are deserting. People are hiding. People are losing hope. But God is in control. In fact, He had the whole thing planned out. God never lost control of that situation. It was his will. So a loss of control in no way should be bad news for you. It should be good news. Because there's someone who has control. And that perfect, beautiful disaster was actually a beautiful work at the cross. It's all complete and done for you. And now his spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, See, God proved he's in control by raising him from the dead. Is it's is in you when you're in Christ. It's in you. So I want to read uh, 14 in, in Matthew, verse 14. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, So so, but you're like, Kevin, you're telling a story about a candle exploding and all this. And what does that have to do with What does that mean? I'm, and I'm really asking you. What does that mean? <laughs> what do you think it means by you are the light of the world? Okay. You turn on a light in a dark room. We're in a dark world. The room lights up. The darkness flees. Right? I mean, we never we don't turn on the light switch and then the light starts coming out and the darkness like pushes it back in. That doesn't happen, right? The light permeates the room. That's good. Okay. What what else does that mean? It what? it's it it has an exposing nature yeah that's good Okay. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. It was really good. I mean, it was just the main part she was saying. Uh, we're different. The light is different from the darkness. We're supposed to shine in the world as being different from the world. In a good way. Bringing life to the world. As someone had mentioned salt as being life. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, So, so Jesus is saying. But, but here's the thing. I'd like to read Isaiah. And. Unfortunately, oh, did I get that up there? Yeah, Isaiah fifty-eight six. Since what? Just going off of what uh, Katarina just said, I want to go ahead and read this. This is a good place to read it. Then we can get back into it. Um, Isaiah fifty-eight six through eight says, "Is this not the fast that I choose to lose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke." Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked to cover him? And not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. But here's the thing, Israel, this is, this is written to God's chosen people. This is Israel. It, they didn't actually, this didn't really happen. They didn't pull this off. So that, that I mean, this was, this was supposed to happen because they're supposed to be different from the world because that was always God's plan with his people was to show the world what he's like. By gathering a people that are distinctly different from the rest of the world. And one way that they're really different is they break yokes. Like, I mean, listen, I, I don't want to insult some of you, but some of you may not know that the yoke is the wood thing that goes between two animals. not, And, and it's, it, that way it, it distributes the weight evenly as they're being carried. So to break yokes of bondage, to... Uh, to let the oppressed go free. This was actually something that God built in when he gave them the law. This is how they were supposed to live all the time. They lived all the time, setting, each up, setting people free. Uh, they were supposed to invite the foreigner in. They were supposed to, every, you know, so many years, they're supposed to forgive debts. I mean, this was supposed to be a way, they were, di- this is different from the world around them. So, it, it, it was supposed to be so different that that people would look in and say, Man, so their God is different. This is sort of what He's like. Now, what we need to do is kind of uh, extend out from there. Uh, now, imagine their, if this was really how they lived. It, it didn't happen, okay? It didn't. But if this is really what got the Israelites actually, and, it, and, and they lived it the way that it was meant for them to live, if that actually happened, uh, imagine the contrast between them and the world. Because the other nations around them are, are uh, not doing that. They're not setting slaves free. They're not welcoming the foreigner in. They're not being generous. They're not worried about the oppressed. They're, they're worried about power. They're thinking about wealth. It is really different. Imagine the contrast. Now, extend kind of to today, kind of expand that. And let's contrast a people like that against our culture right now. Do we live in a culture that is generous? Do we live in a culture um, that breaks the yokes of bondage off of people? Do we live in a culture that feeds all the hungry? It uh, brings the homeless into, into your house. Do we live in a culture where people don't neglect their own flesh and blood and their own families? And... Do we live in a culture that is kind? We don't, do we? So how, if this actually was a, wouldn't this capture the attention? of our culture, if, this, if there was a people like this living right smack dab in the middle of that culture? They never pulled it off. But then Jesus comes, and he says, I'm the light of the world. He says, I'm that light. So again, those people that, that Matthew's uh, writing to, they understand this light thing. They, they get that. Because that's part of their identity, salt and light. It's part of their traditional identity. They totally understand what Jesus says. Oh, now you're the light of the world. And that's a pretty radical thing for them to say, for, for him to say to them. Because they've been living, it's been hundreds of years since they've heard God's voice through a prophet. And they they had been exiled and then they built the, the walls again. And they kind of they went back to, to offering their sacrifices in the temple and all that. But... It never, ever got back, it never got to the place that where, uh, that Isaiah describes here. It it never really got place where they could say, you know, surely God is here among us. So what they were doing is they were trying desperately to follow laws and to follow, uh, to follow rules and to form a, get a form of holiness. That's what they were trying to do so that they could get closer to God. They were really, really working hard at that as a people. And so when Jesus says, you're the light of the world, that's really got to cut close to the bone. I mean, that's got to be, oh, because that, that's what we're supposed to be. So now he's telling his disciples, that's who you are. So I had asked you earlier, what is, a, what is a, an ashtray, a pan, a burner, you know, and all that stuff have in common? Um, so now I, I just want to kind of change that that a little bit now you you saw in my story what it had in common it had a disaster in common right it it was a I call it the beautiful disaster because even though it was disaster and the house could burn down I was enthralled with it I mean it was a beautiful thing to see because there I am in the kitchen things are breaking flames are shooting up pans are melting I didn't know it could do that Little balls of wax are shooting out. The ceiling's getting black. They're falling on the carpet. The wax on carpet is hard to get off. My mom taught me a little trick with an iron and a piece of paper. I did that for three hours. (laughs) It was a beautiful thing to see. I didn't even want to put it out. So I'm calling my brother in the other room. Hey, Austin, what do you want? He's watching TV. Could you come in here for a minute? I think I might have a little fire. (laughs) So he's like, he like, you know, lazily walks in. He looks, and he's like, ah. So we grab towels, and we wet them and everything. We're just like flopping it everywhere. (laughs) Towels slapping everywhere. It was a beautiful thing. My mom never appreciated the beauty in it. But my brother and I, we do appreciate the beauty. I imagine that's probably something my son feels when he we got new cell phones and I know we should have recycled them and dropped them in the box but instead we sent them out to the driveway with my son with a hammer. And he had a really good time smashing those up. I still find little pieces of cell phone in my driveway. I think he probably felt that. It's just there's something really beautiful about it. So what does... Let's think about this. What does... Um, what does a uh, a PhD from uh, Raleigh Raleigh okay I, I won't Raleigh have in common with a uh, a guy from Halls who knows how to weld and he bench presses axles for a living or an art teacher or a banker from California or uh, a couple from Arizona. What do we all have in common? What do they have in common? A guy from Brooklyn. You knew I was gonna say that. That's what we have in common. Let me tell you, it, it's gonna sound like, it sounds like I'm gonna say something beautiful. What we have in common is, is kind of a disaster actually, but, but it's a beautiful disaster. Now, I want you to think about that because there's hope. See, the world is watching. And what they're watching is not just you by yourself. See, the Christian community, the church, that is God's mission strategy to the world. That's the way he's chosen to do it. So, an ashtray all by itself, a broken candle over here, nothing's going to happen. No one's going to notice either. You might be a beautiful ashtray. You might be a shiny colander. But no, no one's, no one's going to care. No one cares about the colander that's in the cabinet or the ashtray sitting on the table. I didn't care either. I never cared about those things until this be- After that whole mess, I had that colander hanging on my wall in my room because it was all black and it had a big hole in it. I, didn't, I mean, it was real thin metal, I guess, because it melted right through. I loved that thing. But it was because of all of what had happened together with it. See, the, the cross was a beautiful disaster. And so because of that, the Christian community is a beautiful disaster that we're called into. So here's the deal, though. We're we're sometimes afraid of that. And I think it's because we're afraid of being out of control. There was something in me that made me think all of that would be a good idea. And if I had been too afraid of losing control, I would have never tried that. Uh, so, hey, David, would you grab my thingy over here? I'm going to do something here. Now, um, so gospel demonstrated or missionary demonstrated. Thank you. Um, Is really a community project. I hope I don't burn the stage down. And, yeah. (laughs) All right, settle down, guys. Settle down. it's a community project so you may be in here and you're like well I'm not a I'm not a Christian I'm not I don't, I don't I'm don't. i not a part of this community well uh, the community part of part of God's plan is that we call people who are outside of his community into his community see he his work at the cross has actually made that possible you know Matthew, the people that were li- uh, reading what Matthew wrote and listening to Jesus in person, they would have understand the promises uh, of God to Abraham. The promise to Abraham was that he would have children and those children would become a nation that blessed the, the whole world, not just one ethnicity or one group of people. But in, as a part of that plan, God had gathered a certain group of people But it was never to stop there. It was always to be to bless the whole world. And that's why that that little uh, scripture I read out of Chronicles where it talks about uh, the covenant God made with David being a covenant of salt. The reason that's so significant is, do you realize God told David his kingdom would last forever? This is a man. That's only possible with Jesus Christ. That's that's the only way it's possible for anyone's kingdom to last forever. And out of the line of David, of course, came Jesus. Jesus, the actual light of the world, because we can't get it right. And then now, in him, we are the light of the world. So he came, and he did fix it. He did get it right. And so if you're here, and and you're you're going, well, I'm not a part of this community, well, uh, and, and my life is a mess, well, welcome, because... This is a mess too. But the, but the good news is we have a hope uh, that you don't have without Christ. Without him and without the cross, you don't have this. That we can actually be this. And we can be, this is a beautiful thing. Thank you, uh, Charlie and Chase, for loaning this to me. I knew that they would have something like this. They love Old things with character. And uh, now, this is, it's got some glass in it, right? It's got some oil. It's got a flame. It's got all the things I, I, I wanted to have with my candle and my, you know, with my big disaster. Only this is uh, actually the way it's supposed to be. This is how it's supposed to look. Look at all that smoke. Turn it down a little bit. So I set it up high, right? You can't put this under a basket or you, you will start a fire. <laughs> but look how it's foreign. I mean, look how it works. I love this. This is how we're supposed. Well, you say, well, Kevin, how? we're not that, though. We're that beautiful disaster, you say. We're that big mess. Well, yeah, but one day we're going to be this. See, God's... Sta- somewhere between that... Terrible candle debacle. And this is where we are. Somewhere between. Is it debacle? Uh, somewhere in between. Now we're not going to get this exactly right until we see Jesus face to face. But we are going to get closer and closer. The Bible says that daily we're transformed into his likeness. So if this is Jesus' likeness, we're on our way to that. And we only get that way uh, together. Because if I take this off and set it over here, and I, you know, pour the oil out over here, put the wick over here, I don't have this. So without a community, we, are, we actually don't have, we're not a light. Without each other, we don't become a light to the world. We don't, it's not. No one's going to notice. No one's going to look in and see anything that they need. Now I want you to, as I'm closing, I just want you to imagine this. Asking you to imagine. Some of us have experienced this in sort of a micro form or, or you know, in miniature. But I want you to, to imagine a community of people who forgive each other without asking for any payment back? Or what about a people who love their enemies? See, the Israelites they had certain rules for treating their enemies and for and, and so on, but Jesus said, Well actually I want you to love your enemy. What if we what about a people who are really pure in heart? You know the scripture I read today is out of the Sermon on the Mount? That was really Jesus establishing a community, establishing a culture. That's what that was. I mean, it happened. It was, it was almost in Matthew's situation, immediately after he's baptized, goes into the desert, comes out, and, that's, and in Matthew, that's the first thing you see, is Jesus asking us to imagine a people like that who are meek, who turn the other cheek, who try to reconcile their differences on the way to... to the courtroom, it says, who don't just worry about the letter of the law. I won't commit adultery. I haven't committed that act, but they actually want to be pure at heart, and they don't even want to lust. Or people who, uh, when they're angry, they don't sin because they 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 can say, "Yeah, I never killed a person," but they want to actually have a pure heart and think, "I don't even want to hate this person." Imagine living in that. Isn't that what people are really looking for? I mean, in the culture around us? What about the people you work with and the people, your neighbors? And What are their complaints about life? Aren't they those things? Isn't it always, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I don't have enough? Didn't Jesus say, don't be anxious because I'm in control and I provide everything for you? don't worry because you can't control even make a hair on your head white or black. Isn't it, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing to be a culture like that? I think that's why Jesus is, is calling us, in, he's calling together of people who are like that. Isn't it, wouldn't it be nice to be around people who, who aren't, they realize they're not in control? Oh, and they don't really think they're better than you because they realize they're a mess too. So isn't it, isn't it, isn't it a lot better to receive a, a, a correction or a rebuke from someone who's already admitted that they make mistakes? Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have a fake face and we didn't pretend we're feeling great when we're not? That we could open up to someone Tell them how we really feel. And then if they speak a word, some, some truth of the gospel into our lives, we don't become offended and say, that's none of your business. Isn't that what lonely people out there are looking for? I know it is because they go to other people to get to do the very same thing. They go, we as a culture pay. I mean, we have professions that are built around that. So you can go and you can pay a person. And you know, and 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 it'll be a professional. It'll be someone highly trained, and you can you can do this. I know that that wouldn't be such a huge field and a huge business if it wasn't something that everybody needs. I mean, we all want that. We all want to be able to be transparent with someone. We want to be able to be a mess around somebody. We really need that. And the, and the cool thing is that is one of the best ways to demonstrate the gospel to people. So we do not need to try to exhibit and demonstrate the gospel to people as if it is as we're all sorted out and we've got things all in line. That we're all just, we've got, we've got it together. We're Christians. That's actually not a good idea. That's not the gospel. That's not, that's not, what, hap- that's not what Jesus showed on the cross. He's hanging on a cross. I mean, that looked like a disaster. Why would we do that? Instead, we should do what Paul says and boast in all our weaknesses. And the, and the worship team can come on up because I, I can see them peeking around. Um, he said, I'll boast in my weakness. I will actually boast. And in doing that, I'm boasting in the Lord. I will boast in my weakness. His grace is sufficient for me. Not just I'll accept my weaknesses, try to hide them. He's like, I'm going to boast in them. Because when I'm doing that, I'm actually demonstrating the gospel. That somebody else is in control. That somebody else took care of the problem. That somebody else fixed it. For me. And for us. Um, I'm going to turn this out so... I don't want to spill the oil, and I don't even know if it's legal to light a flame in a school. I'm not sure. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, but I don't. I don't know all the rules. So. I think they do I do have a kiln that I fire clay in, but it's more contained, you know. So. <laughs> so I'm going I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to pray, but before I do that, I just want to let you know we've got a couple of tables back there. And the tables have, we've got uh, some, some bread and grape juice. And, so during this worship time, uh, at any time, you can get up with a, you know, your friend or your family, a community member. Uh, go back there with someone and, and take communion. We, we do look, we look to a time when we're, where this, this actually is a reality. God glorified us glorifying God by being this, this type of life. But we also look forward to um, eating with Jesus. The meal talks about the end of, at, at the end of the Bible. So, um, we, we, do, we do think about Jesus' body broken for us. We do remember his blood spilt. We also think about um, eating around a table with him. Uh, when we see him again. So uh, do that. And anytime during worship, you can do that. We're also going to pass some buckets around. Uh, if you give that way, we just incorporate that as part of our worship time. Uh, if you don't give on PayPal, you can drop it in that bucket. Or if you filled out a visitor's card, you can uh, drop that in that bucket. And so I'll just go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, thank you for the beautiful way that you saved us <clears throat> that you offer that you offered yourself to us that you laid your your life down for us uh, thank you for the cross and what a disaster but what a beautiful uh, disaster that was thank you for that um, Lord we uh, help us to acknowledge that we're completely dependent on you. Help us to acknowledge that you're in control. Father, I pray that if there's a heart in this room who has been c- claiming control for themselves, I pray that that heart would turn toward you and relinquish, so to speak, all control and acknowledge a lack of control and would we'll turn to you and trust you to make them whole. Lord, help us to be uh, a, a light uh, to the world. Help us to be something beautiful that, that shows the world what you're like. that the world would look in and see, oh, that's what God is like. I want that. I need that. We are broken and weak, but Lord, just as your word says, we want to boast in that weakness and lean on you, fall back on your mercy. And Lord, we pray this in your son's name. And uh, we pray that it's in your glory, to your glory. Um, In Jesus' name, amen.